Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. Father, I thank you for your presence today, and I thank you, God, that you left us a helper to help us through this life. And so, Holy Spirit, we adore you, and we welcome you, even as we hear the word of God this morning. The Holy Spirit, you would bring in your light bulbs and your revelation, and you would give to each person exactly what they need today from your word. So, Father, we thank you for that, that your word is active, it's powerful, it divides, and it brings truth and revelation. So, Father, we thank you for your word as well, your living word, the scriptures. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that it is you who convicts men of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. We thank you that it is not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit. And I thank you, God, for the foolishness of preaching the word, that, God, things happen when the word is preached. Freedom comes when the word of God is preached. Power comes when the word of God is preached. Freedom comes when the word of God is preached. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are moving and active and having your way. We welcome you in this place. We're honored to represent you, Jesus, in the earth. And may we be a people who are carriers of your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Do what you want to do today. Thank you, Father, for your presence. You have the freedom to mess us all up. Does he have the freedom to mess you all up? God, mess us all up for your glory. We need more of you and more of your presence. Thank you. Father, as we move into the preaching and declaration of your word, Father, I thank you that you have prophesied all hands on deck. I thank you, God, that you have prophesied through our prophetic team that, God, we're like a ship and everyone has a job and a role to play to allow the ship to fu function at full capacity, Father God. I thank you for that word. I thank you, God, that you have spoke and that you are moving some individuals and you're moving them in one place and moving in another place. I thank you, God, that it, you're transitioning Shelley, God, even next week as we celebrate her transition out of youth ministry, God, we thank you that you're transitioning her, God, into women's recovery and setting captives free in a different way. We thank you, God, that you're moving, you're shaking, you're stirring, you're putting people and people in places that they need to be. And God, we say yes to you. We want to honor you and obey you. Father, we're reminded of your word in, in Matthew 4 that says, if we want to be your disciple, we must deny ourselves and we must take up our cross and we must follow you. So Lord, I thank you that there is a people here who want to follow you. Father God, you said many years ago that, that to look for a people who would raise up in this house and that they would, uh, they would move towards doing the things that you want them to do. And I thank you, God, that you are doing that. I thank you, God, that destiny is going to be fulfilled as we've rebuked the devourer on destiny today. God, I thank you that, God, people are going to get in their place. They're going to get in their right spot to fulfill the purpose that you've called them to. And so, Father, we thank you, all hands on deck, in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, for putting pieces of the puzzle in place. I thank you, God, that this city shall be transformed. I thank you, God, that this city shall come to know you in a greater measure. I thank you, God, that people are come to, going to come to know you as Savior in this city, in this region, God. Because the people of God, not only in this house, but at First Baptist, at Foursquare, at Open Arms, God, at Crossroads, at the Methodist Church, God, at the Disciples of Christ, God, all the places, God, in this house, in this city, God, who, who call all upon your name, God, I thank you that the body of Christ is going to get in their place and they're going to obey you. I thank you for that, God. I thank you, God, for that. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. 
In Jesus' name. Say, I'm going to get in my rightful place. I'm going to hear his voice. And I'm going to move where he tells me to move. I'm going to do what he tells me to do. And I know sometimes we get jacked up and we move and do things that we're not supposed to do because we're trying to seek our identity and our value from what we do rather than from who whose we are. And sometimes we get jacked up and we do ministry wrong because we make it all about us and trying to fulfill our destiny and fulfill something that we have this need to be significant. And I tell you what, it gets us in trouble every time when we, we do something for Jesus in order, in order for, to feel significant. But God's saying, I'm doing something new in this hour where I'm going to get my identity and my value of myself in you so that you can do what you're supposed to do through me and for me, not because you need something. <laughs> And so, Father, I thank you for true identity in you today, in Jesus' name. That we will get our security, our, our value from you, not from what we do. Thank you, Father. Sorry, I'm just in the process of praying through whatever he's doing, right? Thank you. Thank you, Papa. You know, there are husbands and wives in this place and people in this house right now where you don't even want your spouse to get in ministry because you feel like you, that if they get involved in ministry that you're, you're going you're to lose something. And, and that is true when our identity is not in Jesus. You do lose something. Even in my own life, whenever Karen and I were called to the ministry and called to, to plant this church and called to be a part of a team to plant this church, there was still some false identity in me. And so Karen felt like I was having an affair with the church because I was still figuring out who I was in the call of God. And it was so fulfilling to know that God had a call and a purpose on my life. And I was running headlong into it. But in some ways, as I, and I had to do that in order to figure out who I was in God. But I know in some ways I left her behind. And it scared her. And I asked her at that time, I said, trust me, I know that the Spirit of God is on this. I know he's saying it. And thank God she trusted me. And God used the work of the ministry to unjack me. <laughs> and, and I'm not all there yet. I'm still in that process of being set free and getting my identity, not from preaching the gospel, not from what I do, not getting nervous when I get up here because my identity is getting more secure in him than in what I'm doing. And so, Father, I pray that you would secure us in our identity in this house so that we can flow through the Spirit and not through false identity, codependency, and needing to be important. <laughs> Hadn't planned on saying that. But there's something to be said for us that sometimes God lets us go full-blown into His will and he allows us to get disappointed, disillusioned, and discombobulated in order to get our true identity and our true value in him so that we won't get the glory for ministry. We can't take credit for it, nor can we take blame for it. It is his ministry and for his name and for his glory. Can I please have a witness? So, Father, have your way today as we talk about all hands on deck. God, I pray that even as we get into the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives gifts unto man. As we talk about these gifts, Father God, I pray not even the gifts would get, we would get our identity or value from the gifts, but we would get our identity from you. That we would not be seekers of the gift, but we would be seekers of you, your presence and loving you. And out of loving you, manifestations of the Spirit will come. Naturally, they are a byproduct of being connected to you. <laughs> Take a big breath, everybody. I will eventually preach. Actually, I'm preaching now, and we'll teach later. Anything else, Holy Spirit, you want to say? You're welcome here. Okay, I will proceed then. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, I, two weeks ago, I began to teach on the manifestations of the Spirit, and we got through the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Uh, today's message is uh, All Hands on Deck, part three. So if you haven't listened to part one, part two, it's probably pretty important that you go on, uh, online and look those messages up. If you haven't been with us, it's uh, pretty important to understand where, what we believe and where we stand and, and all that kind of stuff, and it will help you get caught up. I'm going to attempt, I doubt it happens, who knows. I'm going to attempt to get through all nine of the spiritual gifts or the manifestations of the Spirit today so that we can continue on a bigger list. The bigger list is this that we talked about in our first message. I broke down all the gifts into 21. We're going to attempt to get through all nine. We've done one and two, the word of wisdom and word of knowledge. And now get ready for a fire hose on your mark, get set, kaboom, go. We're going to try to cover faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues today. That sounds like a big, audacious goal. If we don't get through it, guess what? That's okay, right? But they're all coming out of this passage out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. Everybody say each one. Say I'm in each one. The Bible's talking about me. Amen. We've got to make sure we're, we realize he's talking about it to us. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Everybody say common good. Amen. That's for the mutual edification and building up of the body of Christ. These gifts are, 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 we're talking about here are really gifts of the Spirit that should be operating in our services and our small gatherings. It's when the church comes together, these manifestations of the Spirit should be in operation within the house of God. We are continuationists. I preached about that a couple weeks ago, what continuationism means. And we believe these gifts are continuing and they are in operation. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. We preached on that two weeks ago. To another, message of knowledge, word of knowledge is the second one, by means of the same Spirit. And to another, we're going to talk about faith, the gift of faith by the same Spirit, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another, miraculous powers or miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, to still another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And he distributes them as he determines. And I will say this, I believe, as the Spirit of God was even moving today, any one of us could have been, if we would allow ourselves, we can be operating in these gifts during a service, but what happens, we come and we sit and we let other people manifest the gifts of the Spirit instead of being eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit. And at the end of this chapter, in chapter 12, Paul says we should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, right? So there's something about our connection with desiring the spiritual gifts if you have a desire for them, ask for them. We'll get into that a little bit. There is a, you can have these gifts, and don't let these gifts scare you. Amen? Amen. So we're going to, as I said, hit through uh, the first nine today and see how far we get. But we're going to start with the gift of faith today. Hey, I'm going to back up before I do that. So the third, the third manifestation of the Spirit is the gift of faith. And uh, <clears throat> before I talk about the gift of faith, Excuse me. I want us to realize it's a lot like the word of knowledge that we uh, talked about or the word of wisdom that we talked about a couple weeks ago. When we're talking about the gift of faith, we're talking about a supernatural gift, okay? We're not talking about, <clears throat> um, we're not talking about our faith to believe in Jesus Christ. We're not talking about the measure of faith that we have all been given as we are believers in Christ, okay? That faith, the Bible says, it can grow, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we can grow our faith. Our faith can grow. Our, our faith is a muscle. And in, in every trial that my wife and I have went through, God has used every trial to strengthen our faith. Every one of them. And, and we look back and we see the faithfulness of God, faithful to his promises, faithful to his word. And even though many times those things that we prayed for were delayed in time of what we thought when they would come, God has been faithful and he's enlarged our faith capacity, hasn't he, Karen, through the years to believe him and his word. But we're talking about the gift of faith is something different. We're not talking about our faith that we've all been given as a gift of faith 
and a measure of faith. We're talking about a supernatural gift of faith. And here's what the supernatural gift of faith is. It is a supernatural gift. It is usually situational. And it gives a person the unique ability to trust God against all circumstances and to know God will do or act in a situation or an event it enables one to demonstrate great confidence in the power and the promises of God. That is what the gift of faith is. So with this gift, God gives a person this inner guidance, this inner knowing, and enables them to gain insight from God on what he wants to accomplish in a certain given situation or, or, situ, situation or event. And it's one of those things that the person knows that they know that they know. So everybody's saying, I know that I know that I know. The gift of faith is this thing, I know that I know that I know. This is going to take place. This is what God wants to do. And there is this faith that is supernatural faith that is present. And we're going to get into the scriptures on what that looks like. But it is given by God for a purpose and is usually, like I said, is usually situational. Not always, but mostly generally. And let's, so let's look in the scriptures at to a couple examples where the gift of faith in the book of Acts is where you can go all the time. A lot, we're going to be in the book of Acts a lot today. Where the gift of faith was in operation. And you're going to start to see what the gift of faith really looks like. So let's turn to the book of Acts, verse 9. I want to set the stage, before you start reading that scripture, let me set the stage of what is going on. Because Paul is traveling on his missionary journey. He is in a synagogue. He's in a synagogue preaching the word of God. There are Jews, Gentiles, and unbelievers in this church service. And Paul is preaching in this group gathering within a synagogue. That's how his motif was. He would go to a community, he would go to a Jewish synagogue, and he would begin to preach. And, he allowed, and people were gathered there and they would hear him. And so this scripture is where Paul is preaching. He listened. There is a lame man who is, is, uh, cannot walk. He has been lame from birth. And some scholars believe he's in his 40s. So if you can imagine being lame from birth, how many muscles would you have in your, la in your legs? Right. And Paul is preaching, preaching, and it says, And the man listened to Paul as he was preaching, or as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. That's exciting, isn't it? The King James Version says that Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. Now, when I looked that word up, the word saw or perceived in the Greek, this is what that word means. Everybody listen. Because this is not saw or perceived with your eyes. The word saw or seen is to know supernaturally, not from visual sight. It is a spiritual apprehension rather than visual sight. So Paul received a supernatural gift in the preaching of the gospel of knowing. What is knowing? The word of knowledge. Paul saw in the spirit that he had a gift of faith on him, that this man had faith on him, in him. There was a vi not, not, not visual. And so this situationally, what he did, Paul is preaching and God moves on Paul supernaturally and Paul knows that the gift of faith is present. And so in this situation right here, we actually have three of the spiritual gifts at work all at the same time. We have the word of knowledge working at the same time as a gift of faith working at the same time. And what is the third one? Miracles, right? So we have three actually Gifts or manifestations of the Spirit operating all three at the same time in this example we have in Acts chapter 14. The results is what I want us to also... Now, there's two things that I want to point out just about this example. Number one, what God does in Paul. What does, that God initiates the supernatural event by speaking to Paul, as he's proclaiming and preaching the gospel, it is initiated by the Spirit of God in Paul. Do you guys see that? Number two is the results. 
They t- what, what ends up happening from this situation in, in, in the book of Acts is they literally start to worship Paul and Barnabas. But the results of this sign and wonder, the results of the manifestations of the Spirit, is there are many Jews who came to know Jesus through this. Many Gentiles came to salvation through this. And many were converted. Now, there were a lot of people that didn't. Because it says later in this chapter that a, that a, that a dispute came and that the crowd began to manipulate the situation, and everybody turned against Paul in this situation. So if you can imagine Paul preaching and this happening, and yet the crowd starts to turn against him, they actually take him outside the city gates and they stone him. And they think he's dead, and he actually gets resurrected, comes back into the city, and he's ready for some more. Now, if that ain't the gift of faith, I don't know what is. He knew that he had to get in there and preach the gospel. So it's that there's always a result. The manifestations of the Spirit, of all these manifestations, there's always a common good. There's an edification of the church. There's a building up of the church. It's not just a fanfare. It wasn't just for the crippled man. There was a bigger purpose from heaven on what God was doing. Can I please have an amen on that? I want to read an example of the gift of faith from Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth was an old general in the faith, and he seen a lot of miracles. And here is one about one of his first miracles that took place. More than once, people were raised from the dead through Smith Wigglesworth's ministry. The first miracle of this kind happened while Brother Wigglesworth was still working as a plumber. Everybody say plumber. Amen. He got things moving in the spirit. He came home from work one afternoon and learned that his neighbor, who had been sick, had just died. He began to pray. And as he was praying, his wife kept shaking him, saying, Stop praying, Smith. She's already dead. It's too late. That didn't stop him. He continued to pray. He continued to seek God's face. Soon a point came in his praying when he came to the end of his faith. I thought this was interesting. When he came to the end of his faith, he was conscious of a faith that took hold of him. And he knew that he knew he absolutely could not be denied. While he was praying in his own faith, he said, it almost seemed like God was saying no when he was praying in his own faith. As he pressed in and the gift of faith came over him, he looked right up into heaven and said, yes, yes. Without realizing what he was doing, the next thing he knew, he took hold of that woman, pulled her out of bed, stood her up against the wall, and commanded her to walk in Jesus' name. She started breathing and walking again. She was raised up. This is, this is way beyond anybody's ordinary faith. Remember, I'm talking about not your saving faith. In, in, in our ordinary faith, we could probably pull somebody out of the bed like Smith did and stand them up and talk to them t- and tell them to walk. But I don't believe they're going to walk unless God's power supernaturally manifests to receive a miracle through the gift of faith. Interesting story. The gift of faith. Now, I know in our own life, I know I shared this a couple of weeks ago, when it came to the word of knowledge. But I, I see, with it's so interesting how when we were praying for Joel, who was paralyzed, my son who was paralyzed for three months, when we were praying for three months for God to restore his legs, I mean, there, there was this, I mean, we were in faith as a church, we were praying and all that kind of stuff. But as we anointed him with oils, anointed with oil, we did all the things that the word of God said to do. But when Braxton had the word of knowledge that he was going to walk on a Thursday. Joel had a dream of J23, January 23rd, Joel's faith. And then when I had the dream, there was this supernatural faith to believe God that Joel was going to walk on Thursday. I don't, something was different. Do you guys remember it? Those who were here, there was something different about that, that God supernaturally, that gift of faith kicked in and God restored Joel's Joel's legs immediately. The gift of faith empowers the church to believe God. The gift of faith empowers the church to believe God. The church does not believe like we need to believe. We need the gift of faith operating at New Covenant, do we not? 
Absolutely. Gift of faith brings joy and encouragement to stand up for a specific situation and trust God. And this gift often produces miracles and healing. And so the gift of faith, what I believe all these gifts are to do is the gifts of faith and all these gifts are to move the church forward. They're to move the church forward. They're to mature the church so that the church represents Jesus Christ on the earth. That we are a reflection of the beauty of Jesus Christ. And it's not going, and you're not going to reflect the beauty of Jesus without being in communion with the vine. We're just the branch. And the Bible says that we're to abide in him. Smith Wigglesworth was praying. I can remember the praying that was going on in our house. I can remember month after month, week after week, as Joel had no legs and he had worship music blaring in his, in his bedroom and he was praying, God, this encounter with God was building something in a young man and in our family as well. There was a gift of faith that was being established within us and God was doing a work. And it was situational. Now there's a lot of, there is a lot of discrepancy or I should say controversy in the body of Christ where some charismatics believe that gift is resident in you and, and it almost originates from you. And there's charismatics who believe, no, it is supernatural and it is situational and it, and it comes a, 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 for a situation and a certain, a, certain, a certain situation. And so I don't know where you're at in your belief system. All I know is that the Spirit of God gives these gifts as He determines when He wants to. And whether they're in you resident all the time. I know tongues is resident in you all the time because it's to edify yourself, which you're going to get to. I know prophecy, it says we can all prophesy. So I know that these gifts are, are in us and we can do these things. And there's, so there's some controversy. But I'm not going to deal with the controversy today. You can just throw that in your bag of chips and, and do whatever you want to do with it. I know there's a, some discrepancies and controversy. So that's kind of the, the gift of faith. Where that you know that you know, and it's a supernatural gift, and God moves, and God, and, and usually miracles, signs, and wonders, and healings, that gift is present when those things take place. You're going to see many of the examples that I use today, that you're going to see several of these examples where there's multiple gifts working at the same time. But let's move on to the next one so that we get some of these accomplished, since it's already 1130. Now we got the gift of healings. We know what the gift of healing is, right? It's a supernatural gift from Holy Spirit to heal bodies and cure diseases. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Rapha is the Hebrew word of God, and he is our healer. The scriptures we constantly stand on are throughout the word about healing, and that's why we pray for the sick, right? We do it all the time around here, around here, around here. Healing is obviously very often a gift accompanied with the gift of faith. Faith, I'm going to go into some scriptures about healing and what God has said we are to do. Out of Mark 6, 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and what? Healed them. Mark 16, 18, those who believe, they will place their hands on sick people and they will what? Okay, let's look at another one. James chapter 5. Is anyone sick among you? Let them all call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will what? Be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. People don't realize sometimes that the confession of sins is tied to this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Lord, thank you for the reading of your word there. 
This is why we pray for sick people. That's why we have the altar team up here. We pray for people who are sick. We pray for people to accept Jesus as Lord or any other needs that we have because we believe that God is a God that heals and he restores. And we lay hands on you. We'll anoint you with oil. That is why we do it here at New Covenant, and that's why we continue to stand. Anybody glad you're at a church that believes in healing? And Lord, right now, even right now, Father, we send your word of healing to Sam Lunt, who is in the hospital. Father, we just declare healing over Sam's heart and the pneumonia, God. We rebuke it in Jesus' name, and we just declare restoration over Sam Lunt. God, we even pray for Melissa Seals, Lord, that's having problems with her brain swelling. We come against that in the name of Jesus, Father. We pray for Joy Henderson, God, who had brain surgery this week to remove an aneurysm or a blood clot. Father, we speak life to her body in the name of Jesus. Lord, I think of Sandy Dillon, who's got a tumor of cancer. We rebuke that cancer in Jesus' name. Is there anybody else in your family right now, Father? We just restore. We just thank you for healing our friends, our families in Jesus' name. Father, we are going to be a church who stands believing you, God, for healing. And so, Father, we thank you for the supernatural gift of healing. God, would you manifest it here in New Covenant? Increase that gift in your people. Increase that here at New Covenant, God. Increase the manifestation of your spirit through healing in Jesus' name. And God, we give you praise for that in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Pray for the sick. Pray for the sick. We are all called to pray for the sick. We are all called to pray for the sick. So the supernatural gift of healing is to heal sickness and disease. And God does that through his church. And he does it in our gathering. In Jesus' name. We know what that is. Next one is working of miracles. The working of miracles is a supernatural gift where Holy Spirit chooses to override the laws of nature working through a person. There is no natural explanation for the event. This gift operates as an individual is prompted by Holy Spirit and given faith to perform such a work. <clears throat> now what I've done is I have broken down workers, works, three classifications of miracles. Exercising demons, deliverance and inner healing, Nature miracles, calming storms, feeding the 5,000, Peter walking on water. That is just ain't normal. I'm sorry, gravity puts me in the water. It just is not normal to walk on water, is it? It is a supernatural thing where God overrides natural laws and uh, water to wine was another one. And then there's restorative miracles of the lame man walking who had no muscles, you know, the dead race, cancers falling off, new body parts. I, I kind of broke them down into three that you see in the Word of God. But these miracles are not done. Uh, I want to be careful here because I believe it's our faith, that our faith is what moves mountains. But I, I, I'm on the struggle bus. Is it my choice or is it the Holy Spirit choice? Is it God prompting or is it, because in, in the word of God, as we read some of these things and we look at these miracles, the spirit of God is the one doing the prompting when they're laying hands on the sick and when they're doing it. It's when Jesus goes into the pool of Bethesda and, the, and, he, and he says that compassion came over his heart for that one. Why did compassion not go on Jesus' heart for the 400? he, He had the one. There was a purpose in what Jesus was doing. And he was being led by the Father. He was always being led by the Father. Is that not what he said? And, and, and what I want us to, to balance us as a church is we have to be led by the Father. We have to be led by the Spirit of God. And I believe there's a, there's a prompting of the Spirit of God that happens when the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. I don't think it's just your choice. I think your choice has something to do with it by faith that there's this thing of believing. But I believe it's the Spirit of God that begins to work inside of you. There's something that begins to happen where God is doing something and your spirit connecting with his spirit and God is moving on you to manifest in this way.
It's initiated by God as an act of power from Holy Spirit. They operate as an individual. They, they operate as an individual is prompted by God and are given faith to perform such a work. Paul was preaching, and, 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 and there was a work in Paul's heart when he saw the lame man had faith. Smith Wigglesworth, he was praying, and he was at the end of himself. And then the, he said, when the gift of faith took over me, he said, I couldn't do anything but say yes, yes. They're all given as he demonstrates himself through us. And our desire for these gifts, I believe fully that as we desire these gifts and we mature in them, that God will use us more and more in these gifts. And we have to be anticipating, we have to be expecting the Spirit of God to manifest himself in these ways through us. Jesus said in John 4, 14, 12, that we would do greater things. Acts 4, 29 says, now, Lord, consider the disciples prayed for miracles. He's, the disciples prayed this. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs, wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And God, that is our prayer here. God, stretch out your hand through your people. God, with power, signs, and wonders, God, to heal the lost, to set free the captives, to bring salvation to this city. Amen? That was what the disciples were praying. So they were eagerly expecting the Spirit spiritual gifts. They wanted them and they prayed for them. And God manifested through them. And Jesus said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I don't believe necessarily that, that means that we're going to do greater in how do you, how do you top um, raising the dead? But I do believe that word greater in the Greek means more in number. I believe it's greater and more in number that we are going to do because the multiplication of Jesus and who he is as he manifests his spirit through us, that there are going to be more miracles, there's going to be more signs and wonders that take place through us as a body of believers than it would be just through him. So, is God allowed to use you for the supernatural? Are you eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts? Are you asking for the spiritual gifts just like the disciples did? Oh God, move and have your way in us. It is not the gifts we seek in that we are seeking to represent Jesus through the gifts. Amen? But we should desire them. And that is biblical, so I'm not going to apologize for that. I desire all the gifts. How about you guys? Okay, we're going to move to prophecy. As we move to prophecy, we are not talking about the gift of a prophet, okay? Just for, this is not, you can prophesy and not be a prophet. You guys realize that, right? right. I'm going to explain a prophet in weeks to come as we get into that one. But we are talking about the gift of prophecy, which is a supernatural gift where a person is given a message from God to someone else or to a church or to a business or to whatever, it is God-inspired speech for a situation that always lines up with God's word and his work in a person. So, sometimes it is foretelling. It's telling of what is going to come. The Lord says, I'm going to do this in you. The Lord says, I have this for you in the future. So sometimes it is foretelling, but sometimes it is forthtelling. And what I mean by that, it is God confirming his plan for someone and what he wants to do in that person. <clears throat> and so sometimes it is God enlarging the situation or, or showing something more. A lot of times it's God uh, confirming even something that he is wanting to do in somebody in order to give them the faith to move forward in the call of God upon their life. That's why we have a prophetic team back there. Because a lot of times, I know the prophetic words I've gotten many times, is something I already know God wants to do, but that prophetic word gives me the power or the strength to move on and do it. I can remember when God first said that I was a minister of the gospel and I was called to, to preach. And it was, it was totally out of left field. 
That I didn't even see coming. I didn't even have a clue on it. I got a letter from Lynn Furrow after he had, we had been in another church and we'd had a tragedy at that church. And Lynn Furrow wrote me a letter and he said, I just want you to know that the gift of pastor and shepherding is upon your life and you're called to preach and declare the word of God. I still got the letter home. It was life-changing. But it was like, what are you talking about, white boy? It was off my grid. It quickly became on my grid because everywhere I went after that, a service in Cincinnati and some in the middle of the preaching, the preacher stops. He said, yeah, you blonde headed right there in the this And I'm saying, me, me. Yeah, stand up. Okay, stand up. Thus saith the Lord. Confirming. Then it all of a sudden it started confirming, and it was not no longer foretelling. It was now forthtelling of what God's plan was for my life. That then gave me the power and really the what would you call it? The the spine and the courage. Thank you, Tom. The courage to actually move forward in the call of God on my life. And that's how prophecy works. It edifies, it builds up, it strengthens, it comforts you. Amen? So prophecy <clears throat> is always going to edify, build up, encourage, and comfort God's people to move them forward. Everybody say, move forward. It is not reading your dirty mail. It is not finding your sin. It is not about declaring something negative. Although there may be something that the person who is prophesying sees something negative, but God shows what is negative in order to speak the life in the direction of what God wants. You may be in bondage for sure. You may be in bondage here, but the Spirit of God is... And, and you don't say that to the person. God is using that to the person prophesying. He's giving you a picture of what may be going on in their life. And you're now prophesying of what God is going to do. The Lord sees you. He knows what you need. The Lord is going to do this. The Lord is going to do that. And it then begins to strengthen you. I'll never forget uh, there was somebody who uh, was getting prophesied over here one time in, with Denny Kramer. And, um, and, and everybody was going, oh, yeah, man, that is them. And he, it was the fourth telling. It was confirming. There was a declaring in the congregation so that the whole congregation would know what this person was called to. And he kept repeating the same word over and over so that everyone would know so that there would be a level of accountability that this person was called to do this. That's what prophecy does. And it says we can all prophesy. Hmm. We can all prophesy. We're not all prophets. But we can all prophesy. And when we get in the prophetic environment that New Covenant has and the prophetic worship that is here, I have joked many times, I think a mouse could prophesy. There is such an anointing for prophecy in this house and the presence of the Lord, which is, and prophecy is what? The testimony of Jesus. Amen? So prophecy is a powerful thing to edify and build up the body of Christ. But here's some caveat to it that we need to learn about it in 1 Corinthians 14 which is just a couple chapters. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. There we go. Eagerly desire what? Prophecy. The gifts of the Spirit and especially prophecy. It's funny, on all the passages in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11, prophecies there. In 1 Corinthians 12, same chapter, Verses 28 through 31, uh, prophet is there. When you go to Ephesians 4.11, prophet is there. And when you go to the other one in um, Romans 12, uh, prophecy is there. On all four of the, the, the gifts that are declared within the word of God, prophecy shows up in all four of those. And Paul says, I would much rather you prophesy. Now let's see why. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to God, or excuse me, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies who? Themselves. Because it is my prayer language we'll get into. It's my prayer language with me and God. Only God understands it unless it's interpreted. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. 
I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. That used to drive me nuts. Because I would go, well, if God wants me to speak in tongues, he'll let me speak in tongues. I'll be honest with you, I was just too embarrassed to look weird. But I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Not greater, as in just like we said in uh, Jesus was not, we're not going to do greater things than Jesus. We're going to do more. It's more edifying. It's greater to edify the church unless someone interprets it. So when it comes to tongues, those need interpreted in the church. So if we, that's why we have an open microphone. That's why we have a, a mic over here so that you can hear it. And, and so the band can hear it if somebody speaks in tongues. And then there we have an interpretation of that tongue. So Paul is all about the church being edified and built up. And he's saying, I want you all to prophesy. I, desire, I want you to all desire it. So prophecy is to be desired. He wants them all to speak in tongues, and he wants them all to prophesy. But he wants it to build up the church. He wants the church edified. So we have to understand that the purpose of the manifestations of the Spirit, again, are what? For the common good, the building up of the church. Your tongue, that's why it has to be interpreted publicly, your tongue is a gift that edifies you and God. It's about your private devotional. But there is a gift of tongues that comes on that needs interpreted when it comes out loud, and that is to edify the church and to build them up. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that on tongues when we get to that gift. So, woo, keep moving, Eric. It is 1250 or 11.52. Oops, I just did it. Yeah, we just did that one. Okay. Did I do X? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will what? All right, God, thank you for prophecy. This is why we have a prophetic team. Amen. This is why we want it, is we want to edify and build up this church. We want the body of Christ being all hands on deck, operating in the spirit so the church can mature. And that people will be built up. That other people are prophesied. You have a call of evangelism on you. You have a call of this on you. You're supposed to do women's ministry. You're supposed to do recovery. I'll, I'll never forget when we were in a circle right here when Megan got prophesied about a recovery house. The Spirit of God, it was like, whew, God came, came alive inside of her. Amen. You guys still good with me? I'm rapid firing. Discernment. What is the gift of discernment? Number seven, spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit that allows a person to tell the difference between what is God, what is from Satan, and what is of man. This gift can also help the church tell the difference between true and false doctrines. And so I'm going to go quickly in this. In 1 John 4, 1, it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so we need the gift of discernment within the body of Christ because there's times when prophecy or false teachers want to infiltrate or false you know, goats in sheep's clothing that come into the body of Christ. And discernment is a real critical gift that needs to be operating in the church. Here's an example of it. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. And this is Paul and Barnabas, Paul, excuse me, just Paul. And he is imprisoned. He's on a ship. And they land at Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul. It was Barnabas. I forgot that. And said, because he wanted to hear the word of God, but Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Paul, with the gift of discernment, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of God? Have you ever been in a church service and you go, mm, Something's just not right. I've had it here. There was even some warfare going on this morning where there was a lot of distraction and I was discerning that there was some, and even as we went into the spiritual warfare at Eric's admonishment, there was, a, there was an intercession. I was praying in the spirit, getting discernment from God right up here. 
in the service. And that's where we need the gift of discernment in operation because there are things that are from God, right? But there are some things that are from the enemy. And there are some things just from your soul that you come up and you think you have a word from the Lord and you know what? You're not aware of it maybe, but it's coming out of your soul because you know of a situation and you're actually operating in your flesh, your soul realm. And so the gift of discernment is a powerful gift that gives us the ability to discern between what is of God, what is of the enemy, and what is of the flesh. And it is a gift that is used in our services all the time. Discernment is used here quite often. And so if you sense something in the Spirit and you feel like it is not right, that's why you come up to the prophetic, whoever's discerning, hey, I'm just sensing this, feel like the Lord's wanting to do this, and, this, and, and we expose what you're feeling in the Spirit, and we talk it out, and we discern what God wants shared publicly or what doesn't need to be shared publicly. Does that make sense on the gift of discernment? Now, here's one thing you got to be really careful about the gift of discernment in a congregation is if you operate in a high level of discernment, your pride can take over and you can get really critical of people. And be careful if you have the gift of discernment that you, it is to edify the church, not to tear it down. Not to criticize her, not to make her uh, think that she's, the, the church is always doing something wrong. Discernment is still to edify and build up. It is a gift for the common good. It's to build up. So with discernment, you don't always have to tell what's wrong. You have to realize that sometimes it's accompanied with a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or direction from God on what he's wanting to do. And your discernment is only showing you what's wrong and God is wanting to now speak what is right and what he wants to do. So you understand that? Discernment isn't that you just dump on people all the bad. But there's a common good. There's an edification that needs to come to help the body of Christ. What? Move forward. Everybody hear that? Move forward. Okay. I know I'm hitting these fast. That's discernment. I could actually preach a Sunday on each one of these very easily. Now, what I'm going to do is I am going to get this done. Wow. Tongues. This is the most controversial part in the body of Christ, wouldn't you say? I'm going to spend a little more time on tongues. Now, here's what tongues is. It's a supernatural gift that is a language, personal language of prayer given by God where the believer communes with God beyond knowledge and understanding. Everybody say beyond knowledge and understanding. It is where your spirit man prays to God through tongues. It is your personal prayer language that is a gift to edify you and to build you up. We just read it just a few minutes ago. Here's a few other. Tongues have an important role in the devotional life of the believer. Tongues have a major, serious role in the devotional life of the believer. Did you hear that? It has a minimal role in the life of the church service, except when interpreted. Your personal prayer language is between you and God, and I always try to keep mine fairly quiet so that I don't affect everybody in the room. I try to keep it between me and the Lord. But when I know that it needs to be interpreted, that's when I go to the microphone and I, I, I give it because I know that there's something, there's something that the Lord wants to do. And that's the way tongues will work in you. You'll know that you're supposed to give a corporate tongue, that there's something God wants to edify the whole church. But when it's my prayer language, I'm just me and God. I'm not up here. Ha, sha, die, bye, tie, big, bye, bow, tie. I, 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 there's times where I've gotten louder with mine, but I really try to honor what the Bible says in keeping it to myself so that I don't confuse other people who think you're just nuts. Now, you do with yours what you do with yours, but corporately we're going to hold to what we do. The tongue gets shared over here and it gets corporately interpreted so that the whole church gets edified. And here's where we find that. Let's look at it, what the Bible says. we got four scriptures here. In 1 Corinthians 14, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. We just read that, right? So in tongues, you are the gift of tongues. When you have it, you are edifying yourself. Second one, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I have no clue what I'm saying. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. In other words, I will pray in tongues, but I will also pray in my natural language. I will sing with my spirit. There are times where I said, today, I sang in the spirit. 
there, the, the Lord was just moving on me, and I was, pray, I was singing in the Spirit. But I also will sing with my understanding. And so and during worship, I'll go back and forth. I will go between my, my, my prayer language and, and my natural singing. Verse 23, so if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? <laughs> cuckoo, cuckoo. That's why we don't just out loud go nuts because we know we have people that aren't, uh, they don't understand what's going on. Now look, look in verses 27 through 21, 28. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Here's what I want to, I want to, I want to bust a myth. When you're praying in tongues or prophesying, you are not in an ecstatic state. You still have self-control. You are not in an ecstatic state where you have no, I just got to, I got to speak in tongues right now. I, I got to do it. I got to prophesy right now. I'll lose it. No, 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 no. The word of God shows right here that if you, if there are two or three speaking, one should, you have the ability to stop your tongue and you have the ability to stop your prophecy and you have a time to wait for somebody else to do it. That means that it's not, you have self-control. Self-control is part of the fruit of the spirit, my church. Fruit of the Spirit is part of our fruit. And so the gifts of the Spirit are not void of your, your self-control. It's not an ecstatic state that you can't control. It actually, you have control. And that's a myth buster. That I just got to stay right here and I've got to give it right now. No, you can take... If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak... One at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to who? Himself, Himself and who? God. Does that make sense? That's the order that Paul was trying to reestablish. And I really, and what was going on in the church in Corinth is they were, they, the, the gifts of the Spirit were working, but they were out of order. And God, this is chapter 14, is where Paul brings order to the gifts of the Spirit in the service, and that's what that's all about. So, another thing on tongues, another myth too, Buster. Many believe the gift of tongues is merely the ability to speak in other languages for the spreading of the gospel in other countries because of what took place in Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to show the scripture. We all know at the day of Pentecost, they had waited for 50 days and uh, 40 days, 50 days, 50 days, and they were in the upper room. The Holy Spirit came. They all began to speak in tongues. They all speak, speak in tongues. And what did it say? That everyone heard them in their what? Their own native tongue. Declaring what? Were they preaching? They weren't preaching. They were declaring the wonders of God in a tongue. And the reason it didn't need to be interpreted is because they heard them in their own native tongue. They were declaring the wonders of God. If you look up the Greek word on wonders of God, it was the glory and the perfection. They were praising God in their own prayer language. They heard them praising God in their own language. He was not preaching. Peter preached later that same chapter. And Peter preached in the Greek language. He didn't preach in a tongue. So tongues was not about preaching the gospel in, in their native tongue. It was about that they were declaring the wonders of God in their own native tongue. And they couldn't believe that they were praising God and declaring praise. So what was it doing? Their, their, their prayer language was what? Edifying themselves as they were glorifying God and they didn't even know how, what they were saying. Are you with me? So they were not preaching the gospel they were declaring the wonders of, and the goodness of God. And that word wonders there, I broke it down. Where is it? Bear with me here. Bear with me here. Wonders of God. Wonders are, in the Greek means greatness. God's greatness, God's honor, God's exaltation, God's splendor, his mighty acts, his perfections is what his wonder is all about. And that was what they were doing, is they were declaring the wonders of God through their an unknown language to them, but it was known by all those around them. And that 
is a mythbuster. So tongues is, again, a gift where you edify yourself in your own prayer language. And in a church service, if you feel that the Lord is using your tongue for an interpretation, all you got to do is come over here to the stand and say, I feel like I got a tongue from the Lord, and that's the way we do it, and it works wonderfully. And the last gift that we're going to talk about is the supernatural gift of interpretation of tongues, and that is where God allows tongues to be interpreted for the benefit of the congregation. And we had that two weeks ago. Brett had a tongue, and then there was this discernment process that was going on and what the Spirit of God was saying. The worship team had no clue that Brett had given a tongue because they couldn't hear him because he didn't do it on the mic. And that's why we asked people to go to the mic because the worship team needs to know what's going on. But they didn't have a clue that there was a tongue. And so we had to pause and give the interpretation of that tongue. And God was edifying and building the church up through that tongue. And I thought it was a very, very powerful service. Do you guys remember that? It was good. So that is the gift of interpretation. So for again, it's for the common good. It's for the building up and edifying and strengthening of the church. And it can be declaring the wonderful works of God, or it can be a message to the church from the Lord. There are times where the tongue is interpreted, and it's actually a message to the church. But that tongue could also just be us praising God and glorifying Him, and that might be the interpretation as well. If you would, stand up with me. That was a quick rapid fire. Is God able to use you in any of these gifts? Would you be willing to take some risks? Here's our action plan for the week. We are going to have the altar team come up here shortly. And if you have never spoken tongues, if you've never prophesied, if you've never manifested any of the gifts of the Spirit, if you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost, because the, in the Bible it talks about three three things about the Spirit. The one is that the Spirit of God will be with you. I believe that's when you are not saved and the Spirit of God is with you and He's convicting you of sin, righteousness, judgment to come. And the Spirit of God is drawing you to Him. He's with you. You know, it's when you're in the bar and you know you're doing wrong and God's just trying to get your attention and you can feel the drawing of God. That's the Spirit with you. Then there's the one that the Spirit will be in you. That's when you get saved, you get born again, and the Spirit of God comes in, and then you will be filled. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, we want to give you the opportunity. And, and most generally, the way you know you've been filled with the Holy Spirit is the speaking, in of speaking of tongues. There are other examples in the Word of God where they spoke the Word of God boldly, but there was a manifestation of the Spirit that took place when somebody was filled with the Spirit every time in the book of Acts. And if you've never been filled with the Spirit, you've never spoken in tongues, you've never, you've never prophesied, you've never done any of those things, but you want it and you're eagerly desiring it, our altar team will pray for you today as we close the service and we'll put some music on and we'll take our conversation out there. But this is our action plan for the week. Eagerly desire. Can you put that back up, guys? Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. I really want to encourage you this week to start praying and asking for the God to manifest the gifts of the Spirit in and through you. It is for the edification of the church. We need all hands on deck operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And will you, uh, will you begin to seek God in a new way for the things of the Spirit? This is a safe place to grow and mature. Number two, receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you've never spoken in tongues, I just said that. We'll pray for you today. Our number three reading plan this week is 2 Corinthians 8. Do a hear journal and see what the Lord speaks to you. And number three, memorize James 1, 23. I'd encourage you to take a picture of that action plan and, uh, and I think it's important that we do the action plan because the memory verse says it all. Anyone who listens to the word that was just preached today and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I pray that you will not be that type of person. But the action plan is what you're to do, is to take the word of God that's been preached and declare today and to do something with it. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. 
Father God, we love you. And Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, we love you. And we're asking for a manifestation of the glorious Spirit here at New Covenant. That you would be glorified. That you would be honored. Lord, thank you for trusting the body of Christ with your mandate and your mission to go into all the world and preach the gospel of making disciples of all the nations, of baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, of teaching them to obey all that you have commanded and that you said you would be with us to the end of the age. Father, we realize that you're trying to bring us all together in unity, getting all hands on deck. And God, we need to understand the gifts of the Spirit so that we can uh, freely operate in them so that the church might be built up and edified and honored and that people might know you in this city, in this region. So God, help us. God, we want to say yes to your call. We want to say yes to you and what you're doing. And so, Father, I pray for an increase of the Holy Spirit in this house. Mm. I pray, God, for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit and your power. God, that you would manifest yourself in and amongst us and that we would eagerly desire your gifts, that we would eagerly desire God to be stretched, to be enlarged, to go further, to believe bigger, to, 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 to go into areas where we're uncomfortable, God. And God, we just thank you, Father, that you are working in our midst. Guide us and direct us. And may we go into the world today as we go our different places, our places of eating and our families, that, God, you would be glorified in our lives. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. If I could have the prayer team come up, if you would. If you're here and you want prayer for more of the Holy Spirit, please come up and we'll pray for you. God bless you and have a great day. We love you.